You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. We got another win. It's the seventh straight win. It's the seventh straight win on the road. Sixers win it 111-91 over the Houston Rockets in Houston at the Toyota Center. My name is Adil Royster. I am your host of the Out of Sight Podcast. Chill ride, chill vibes as always. Yeah, it's very chill in Philadelphia if you haven't checked the weather the last couple of days. But yeah, Sixers are hot. We're, We're hot. We're going. We're streaking. Uh, like I said, seventh straight win, seventh straight win on the road. They're still fifth in the East, but they're a game and a half back on Milwaukee for fourth in the conference, which is great. Uh, twenty point win against the Rockets tonight, similar to the twenty point win against the Rockets last week. But this was the thing: uh, the Sixers had no point guards in this game. Tyrese Maxey, Shake Milton, Seth Curry, all out for the Sixers. Uh, Houston had Christian Wood and Kevin Porter Jr. in this game. They didn't play last week because of a team-enforced suspension, but even with their two best players in the lineup, didn't really matter much. With the no-point guard situation, it looked like it was going to be like Furcon running the show, and he did very well as the offensive initiator, as he always does, because when he did the Olympic thing in Turkey, like he, his ball handling, his initiation skills, they were all on display in the Olympics, and that was great. Lots of great ball movement from the Sixers in this entire game. 23 assists on 43 made field goals, and just the field goals were coming, the three-pointers were dropping, it, everything looked great. They were still able to get out in transition. They only had 13 fast break points, but at the same time, it could have been a lot more, probably should have been a lot more, but they were still there. They were still pushing the pace. Everything was working well for this team early on, and it kept going throughout the game because Houston just doesn't have the talent to hang with the Sixers. They're young. A lot of their players are 19, 20, 21 years old. I'm pretty sure Christian Wood is the oldest player because Eric Gordon did not play tonight. Defense was definitely, definitely on display tonight for the Sixers. Steals, turnovers, one of the two of the big stories in this game tonight. Houston had 20 turnovers overall in this game and that led to 29 Sixers points off those turnovers. The biggest stretch came in the second quarter with a 17-2 run by the Sixers on route to only allowing 23 points in the second quarter. And that just kind of blew it open and things kind of just spiraled uphill if you're a Sixers fan, downhill if you're a Rockets fan. But if you're a Rockets fan, you're just you're just enjoying these games or trying to enjoy these games, I should say. Uh, Joel Embiid, what more can I, should I, do I need to say about this man? Uh, 10th straight 
30-point game on the road. He had 31-8-6 in 26 minutes. Got the early night off when the game was very much in hand. Um, Like I said, not much more I can say about Joel Embiid over the last month or so. Your reigning, defending Eastern Conference Player of the Month. 17 in the first quarter, which is a record for him in uh, first quarter. Seven straight 30-point games. 10 straight 30-point games on the road, like I said. Embiid is just taking over at the right time. There's even some MVP buzz going on. If you go to LibertyBallers.com, there's a nice piece about Joel Embiid entering the MVP conversation. Who knows if he'll get it? We're not really sure because, it, as always, if he doesn't play the amount of games necessary, then he's just not going to be contention. And that's a shame, and that sucks, but it's what we've come to expect from the national media as it pertains to Joel Embiid, Joel, Joel MVP'd in uh, national lexicon. The support system for the Sixers tonight, there was some good, there was some bad. The good, uh, Furkan in the starting point guard role kicked in 12 points. Once again, looked very good as the offensive initiator, kicked in a couple threes. Theibel, Matisse Theibel. Always, always great defensively, but for the second straight game in a row, double-digit points, which, as pointed out on the broadcast many times by Kate Scott and Ala Abdel Nabi, Joel Embiid just kind of holding him accountable, just saying, hey, don't really care if the shots don't go in. Put them up. Make people think that you're going to take those shots, and even if you miss them, just take them. Who cares? And I've, I've agreed with that. Um, Matisse has to just round out his game past the being an all-world defender and a pretty damn good cut man. Uh, the bad, unfortunately, Tobias Harris. After having a very good game against the Orlando Magic, kind of reverted back to last week's form, going 6-17 from the field. Uh, this is this is what we have to come to accept about Tobias Harris. He's going to have good games. He's going to have bad games. But he's holding himself accountable, which is good. hes I, I don't want to say he's crazy hard on himself, but at the same time, he understands that, you know, he's got to be that second offensive scorer for the Sixers. Not necessarily in games like this because, you know, it's it's Houston. They don't have to do a whole lot against the Houston Rockets given the fact that, as I've stated, the Rockets don't have a whole lot of talent. But coming up this weekend, it's going to be incredibly important for Tobias to be in his bag, so to speak, because they the Sixers play Boston on Friday night and then Miami on Saturday. So it's a nice hellish back-to-back for the Sixers coming up this weekend. Uh, Miami is one of those teams that's been uh, kind of underwhelming, kind of overwhelming, I guess. Like, Bam Adebayo has had an up-and-down season. Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, they're still trying to figure out how all that works. Boston, they have their troubles going on right now. They're wondering whether or not Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown actually work. There's trade rumors going around with Jalen Brown. This is after scoring 50 points. But lose that heartbreaker to the Knicks the other night, and the the rumor mill is swirling. Like, is Ime Duka the right coach for this team? Is Brad Stevens a legitimate general manager? 
We'll find all that out this weekend. Uh, Sixers, like I said, playing the Celtics on Friday at home at the Wells Fargo Center. They go to Miami on Saturday. And just keep this winning train going here. Seventh straight win. Uh, beat, beat Houston by 20. So good times. Hot starts. Continue to be flaming as the, the city goes into old man winter status, which is... It's good, because at least something's hot around here. Um, I got Dave Early coming up in the second half of the podcast. We're going to talk about some Ben rumors, some Ben Simmons rumors a little bit. Like, now there's this new report that the Atlanta Hawks are emerging as a potential trade partner, which is, like, kind of weird and funny to me, because, hey, you guys saw what Ben Simmons was like in the playoffs. You, you guys really want to trade for that? You, you want him on the roster? Well, whatever. We're going to discuss it. Dave and I, I'm going to get Dave on the line real quick, and we are going to discuss that. Once again, Sixers win 111-91. Second straight 20-point win against the Houston Rockets, but again, it's it's Houston, and you have to beat the teams that are on the schedule. Uh, Charlotte, Boston, Miami, all coming up next. Speaking of coming up next, Dave Early coming on the Out of Sight podcast on the Liberty Ballers podcast network, a home of all of your favorite Vox Media podcasts. Back with Dave Early in a second, and uh, just sit tight. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so we're back on the Out of Sight podcast. Uh, did a little uh, post-game in part one, Sixers Rockets. Uh, part two, we got Dave Early on the line. Uh, I always have him on when there's, like, Simmons talk because I, I can't have Steve because, you know, Steve will just yell obscenities and it just won't be <laughs> a PG-rated uh, podcast and we can't really have that because it's a family podcast. Love you, Steve. I'm just saying, you know, one of these days we'll have to have an R-rated discussion on uh, Ben Simmons. But in the meantime, I got Dave on because part of his piece last week, there were some rumors going around, some scuttlebutt, if you will, um, 
Simmons to Atlanta? Th- this is being discussed. What, what did I? What did I miss? You know, the calendar turns over to 2022. Bob Saget dies. Sydney Poitier dies. Everything is out of freaking control. What is going on? I have no answers for you. <laughs> that seems to be the general consensus. Like 2022 is the year. We're only 10 days into this thing, and nobody has any answers whatsoever. Um, yeah. <laughs> let's let's start here. So one for one, Simmons for John Collins, which is the name that's being thrown around as far as like packages for Simmons. One on one, the contracts don't match. So the filler name out there is Cam Reddish. Uh, I'll start here. Does does that interest you at all? Like one for one, two teams, we get John Collins, Ben Simmons goes to Atlanta, and then we also get Cam Reddish as a filler. Like, is that, does that it's raise not, any eyebrows? It's not not interesting. I remember when you asked me back in, what was it, June, would I do CJ McCollum and Covington and a first for Ben or something like that? And I feel like it's in the same category in my mind. It's like, maybe I would really like to hear what some of these other offers are. Cause I imagine there might be one that's a better fit. I know Halliburton's name has been thrown around. You'd have to imagine if you could get like Halliburton and buddy healed, that might be one rung higher on this totem pole for now, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. What do you think? The, the Kings have been, uh, I don't want to say like hyper vocal, but at the same time, they are saying now that they are willing to open the door a little bit for Fox and Halliburton and trades. I, I think I would like Halliburton a lot better from a fit defensive. Um, now, when it comes to Embiid and Collins, I, I do like that front court. And the first note that I wrote when I heard about this rumor was, holy defense. Like, Jesus. Uh, Embiid and Collins in your front court. You have two incredibly athletic bigs right uh yeah i think um you know like the the easy place for your mind to go is al horford and you ask well didn't they already kind of try you know i just saw tom west tweeting like some of these lineups where Embiid is not on the court would be really good with collins at the five and i'm thinking oh no mm-hmm. like at some point you want to, and this is what we said a couple of years ago with that Horford signing, like you want to maximize your closing lineup, not necessarily your, your full game lineup. Um, you, you want to know that the guys who are making the most money on your team mesh well together. And I'm, I'm not sure that Collins does, you know, I'm not familiar enough to have a, a very, very strong opinion on this, but is he someone that you can throw it out to from the three-point line and ask him to create his own shot? Or is he someone who's optimized the way we see him with Trey Young rolling and providing that sort of vertical spacing and also being able to hit threes? Um, I know the, the latest report is that he's a little disgruntled with that role. Um, the red flag there is that isn't that kind of an optimized role for him? You want him rolling to the hoop, dunking a lot, and hitting threes. You don't want him to do a ton of post-ups or pull-up jumpers because it's not the strength of his game, even though he's capable. So uh, in my head, I'm thinking I, I would probably like to hear like 12 other perimeter wing players before I, I got to this point. <laughs> Let's jump right to the Collins being frustrated in his current role, right? So yeah. 
if he comes to the Sixers in this one-on-one scenario, right? Number one, he's taking a backseat to Joel. Like he he has to understand right off the bat, and he probably will, that it's Joel's team, that's it, period, end of story. Yeah, I mean, other than Damian Lillard, James Harden, maybe Bradley Beal, who else Who else would come in and say, you know, like I think everyone would kind of have to take a backseat other than some of the guys at the top of Daryl Moore's wish list. Now, that being said, you're at that point trading one disgruntled, high-paid NBA player for another disgruntled, high-paid NBA player but the disgruntlement is for different reasons like what I I don't know if how, how do you feel about trading one brand of chaos for another brand of chaos <laughs> I I don't think that um that's Simmons... not to say not to suggest that like Ben Simmons like any aspect of his mental health creates chaos that's not what I'm saying so let's just <laughs> let's just not don't come at me in the Twitter. Just no, just don't do that. It's not what I'm saying. So assuming that an acquiring team for Simmons had some word that he's going to, you know, play this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they could feel confident that he's not going to provide them a new, a new brand of chaos. The only chaos that we really got as a team who cheered for Ben Simmons is that he stopped playing one day. Um, <laughs> it wasn't like, wasn't like he was creating problems he would always play hard and always play as many minutes as they let him go and um played lockdown defense so i don't think that he would be disgruntled if he got what he wanted and finally got that trade especially if he got to play pick and roll with with trey young john collins there is some concern there because it's hard to imagine a team who's so focused on you know shooting efficiency and and the optimization of players Daryl Moore is going to say, we want you to do what a whole bunch of what Tobias Harris is doing and do some post-ups, take some mid-range. Because I think the the optimal version of Collins right now is someone who's finishing at the rim and hitting threes right. and getting out and getting out in transition. There's not a ton of that um, in the half-court offense next to Joel Embiid. The other aspect of Collins' game, which you kind of touched on, with Embiid and in this closing lineup, you'd have Embiid and Collins and Tobias in the quote-unquote front court, right? But I'm focusing more on Embiid and Collins. Collins hits about 43% from three, albeit on like three and a half attempts per game. That is a nice pair of stretch bigs come closing time. Yeah, between – I mean, Joel shoots about the same amount of threes. He's not quite as accurate as Collins. Um, But I don't think either Joel or Collins are really – prolific shooters they, they're not someone who loves to get up like six seven three-pointers in a ball game um but at the same time if one of them is wide open and just nobody closes out you're like okay they they can put that up they can put it up yeah um and you know so, some of these iterations have cam reddish in that same deal so you might be getting some some perimeter stuff that i was talking about anyway um, but in that one-on-one swap you're talking about, it is a tricky fit with Tobias Harris there because now you're getting to all your money in the front court. Nobody loves to shoot threes. Collins is probably the best at it of that group. Um, but I just feel like something about your, your end game there is limited when you're going to be playing a team like Milwaukee or Brooklyn. Agreed. You're basically loading up and just like, 
forming a wall like this is this is the kind of trade that i would make if like i'm really just concentrated on stopping milwaukee right because i have tobias i can throw at Giannis. i have john collins i can throw at Giannis. i have Embiid that i can throw at Giannis. and it's like yeah this is the kind of team i would build if i'm specifically trying to stop that man and get to the nba finals like that is is collins a good perimeter defender uh Steve, good rim protector. Well, here's the thing. I think with Giannis, I, I feel like the whole form the wall defense against Giannis, it's it's a tactic. And I feel like it does have its merits because Giannis, while he's willing to take those outside shots, I feel like his bread and butter is still, you know, plowing into the lane with reckless abandon. And this all takes us to that other other sentence that we kind of hear in every one of these articles now is that the Sixers number one goal would just be get Ben Simmons to play. And he's one of the better players you can ask to pick up Giannis in spots too. Right. So, so the, we can't, we, we can't shake this. <laughs> the, the other thing that I really like about Collins's game is that he's a really very good rebounder. Um, 2.8 offensive rebounds per 100 possessions. So I think, the size there and just like the second chance points potential with an Embiid Collins front court. I think that could add a little, uh, a little nugget to the Sixers half point opportunities. Yeah. Some people say, some people look at it as like the Sixers can't get a defensive rebound right now. He'd really help. I'm not one of those people. Some people look at it as like, they should just be targeting a wing. I'm not one of those people either. Uh, I really just think they should get the best player that they can and, and worry a little bit about what they need and what the fit is in, in a, on a longer term lens. You know what I mean? Right. Um, if, if the best fit possible were awkward, you know, like a healthy Zion Williamson, I would just try it. Uh, I would get him in house and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I'm not sure. Hold that, hold that thought about the Pelicans. <laughs> I'm getting there. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not sure that Collins, for me is that type of impact player where I'm going to say, I don't care so much about fit. Let's just get him in, in the building and figure that out. Cause I'm not sure that he's so good where you can overlook some of those issues, like his limitations, his fit with Tobias Harris, um, maybe the lack of perimeter defense, even if he is a good weak side rim protector, et cetera. Let's talk about Tobias because obviously if he isn't traded and John Collins is brought in, right? The obvious thing is to move Tobias to the three again. And this is just Tobias's offensive persona is just going to switch again, right? He's going to be able to bully around like smaller wings. He's going to be quicker than most fours that try to guard him. And like, we've seen this before. It's, it's Horford MB 2.0 question mark. Yeah, it's tough. If you try to put yourself in Daryl Morey's shoes and look at the experiences he's had, you know, he's talked on podcasts in the past about how Tracy McGrady and Yao Ming weren't the ideal fit because Yao wanted to post up and T-Mac wanted to attack a spread floor. So I know that he doesn't have that ideal type of wing big man combo that he's looking for right now with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, let alone Ben Simmons is not in the lineup. But I, I just feel like he would, after all of this, does he really want to try something that you and I are sitting here looking at, wondering, are we square holing a round peg or whatever the expression, you know what I mean? Putting a square peg in a round hole, yeah. 
with so much going into this decision, do you really want to get a team where you're looking at it and you're thinking, I don't know. I don't know if it works. Let's try to work something else out. Okay. Um, let's say that this scuttlebutt, as is one of my favorite words, by the way, in the entire <laughs> in the entirety of the English. Good language. word, yeah. Great word. Disgruntled um, and scuttlebutt are two words we only use in these basketball scenarios. And it's fantastic. I love it yeah. so much. Let's talk about some three-team potential. I asked you to come up with like your favorite trade centered around Simmons and John Collins. And one that I have, uh, it's a three-teamer. Now, let's say New Orleans isn't quite keen on Ben Simmons. Would they be interested in John Collins to pair with Zion, either that scenario or as like Zion insurance, right? That being the case, could this be potential swing that gets Brandon Ingram to Philly? Because I'm down for that. Yeah, if I were them, I would not be interested. I would just ask why. What, what else are you giving me on top of Ben Simmons or John Collins that I'm going to part with Ingram? Unless Ingram came to me and said, I need to get the hell out of here. Uh, but, I'd rather just keep him at this point. But like, what's New Orleans, like with Brandon Ingram and whatever with Zion Williams and whatever he has, right? Like, does New Orleans, I'll, I'll put you in a GM situation. With Zion, the way he is right now, don't know what the hell's going on with him. You have Ingram. You wouldn't just swing at John Collins and just say, all right, you know what? Tried the Zion thing. Let's just retool on the fly because we don't really have much here. We're overpaying for Devontae Graham. We got Brandon Ingram in-house, but F it. Like, there's only so much he can do by himself. Let's just kind of reshuffle the deck here. No, I, I would just roll with what I got um, right now. Right. As if, if the draft were today, they're projected for the fifth pick. As we know, sometimes the fifth pick, you jump up to the third pick, and then you could get a, a Dwayne Wade or whatever, and now you're looking at three all-stars and turn it all around. I'd rather 50% shot that Zion is who we originally thought he was than just you know taking, taking the shorter thing of the lesser talent. So you're not trying, you're not ready to give up on Zion just yet. I, I would, I would trade him. Uh, I would trade Ingram too, but not for a talent like Collins, who I haven't seen enough from right, to give okay. up on that upside. What's your, now, do you like Simmons for Collins straight up or do you have a, uh, a, a three team wrench in there? Uh, I guess I'm closer to the the Halliburton and Heald side of the most recent rumors. Um, I do like that. You know, he, Heald is just shooting like, other than Steph Curry, is there anyone putting up volume like he is and, and knocking him down? He's he's turned into a really valuable shooter. Is it just um, me or are we just really, really talking ourselves into Buddy Heald as the season goes on? Because I remember at the beginning of the season, nobody on this website wanted any part of Buddy Heald whatsoever. Even though I, I was one of the first people that floated it. I was like, wait, is Buddy really that bad an idea? Yeah, I, I think you were a little bit ahead there. I was. Yeah, I was you guys can go back, check the tapes. I, I, yeah, I was first on the boat. So, like, welcome to Buddy Healed Island, okay? Just like, enjoy it. You're enjoy taking... the beach, there's sun, there's all kinds of tropical fruits that you can imbibe. It's great. It's wonderful here. Mama's you're, buddy, you're gonna man. Love it. You're going to love it. 
I didn't see us getting into this extended of a victory lap on Buddy Heal before we even had him in house. But here we are. <laughs> here we are. This is what we do, Dave. When when you and, when you and I are correct on something, we like to take as many laps as possible. <laughs> right. Fair. Fair. Um, yeah. No. He's he's playing really well. I think if you had the position that he's not even in the ballpark for a Ben Simmons deal for a long time, that's still that's still valid. But if, if we're talking about him and Halliburton, you're certainly approaching a value that I think Daryl Moore could work with. Finally, for Atlanta, landing Simmons. So you get Simmons and Young as the backcourt. So is, would it be more off-ball for Trey Young? If, if Simmons is in Atlanta? If Simmons is in Atlanta, yeah. I think in the half court, you still want Trey to be sort of the, the heliocentric James Harden, Luka Doncic. Um, I don't think you're going to see, you know, Ben complaining publicly the way that Collins has been Mm -hmm. because he just doesn't tend to do that. Even, even when he's, you know, unhappy, but not out of the lineup, he, he did like after the season was over with Jimmy Butler here, he did indicate, you know, I'm more than a dunker spot guy. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's how it would manifest, but I think it would work. I think he makes them, you know, obviously a better defensive team. They'd have, a guy that they could put on a James Harden and, you know, have some expectation that you can limit a superstar. Whereas a lot of other guys don't him and Deandre, a healthy Deandre Hunter would form a heck of a, a long-term sort of wing perimeter defense. That's stalwart. Then you have, I don't know if Capella is in their long-term plans, the Congo, but the, between all those guys, there's a lot of defense that you could complement uh, Trey with. Right. I, I do agree with you that like not having DeAndre Hunter in the in the playoffs last year, it, not having him healthy like really hurt. Like they're as it hurt their ceiling as far as they could go in the playoffs. It did, yeah. He he actually hurt the Knicks in a few games that I got to see because he's so good at defense, and then he he's so tall and long that he was able to shoot over shorter guys who even had a good contest like Bullock. Um, he's a good player. If if you were asking me who would I rather have between him and reddish i guess that's a tough one i might prefer hunter last thing because i want to circle back to something we were saying about ben complaining to be in the dunker spot if simmons is in atlanta doesn't that kind of make isn't that kind of the spot for him because he's not he's because they're not going to really do any like posting up with him and unless his cuts get really better or improved or you know that jump shot comes around I think that's what Ben is in this offense. Do you agree? Yeah. The, the all NBA version of Ben that we have seen in the past had a few things going for it. It had Joel Embiid not in the game at all. So you, you needed him to step up and he knew he needed to step up and you didn't pair him with a Capella or a Congo. So I think they might want to go small ball more. So if they wanted to try to make that work, you know, he could do it in spurts and Capella is obviously a much better version of what we've seen here in the past with what we're talking about, Dwight Howard, Greg Monroe. So maybe you'll be fine. Maybe they just get enough stops. It doesn't really matter. Get a stop, get it out to Ben and he and Trey could run in transition. Um, but I think the very best version of Ben, there's a lot of role man action, like sometimes Korkma, sometimes Howell Neto would be able to hit him on these short rolls. Some of his best career games that we've seen. And if he's got a big spotting up in the corner, uh, like a Collins, who I understand is gone in this hypo- in this uh, experiment, but whatever. Um, 
that's when you're getting Ben at his best. Maybe, I, I think maybe Gallinari then. Gallinari is the perfect player to add young guys and picks to to trade because he makes a lot of money and you don't really need him long term. Yeah. So if I were them, I'd be trying to trying to shop Gallo with, you know, one of the youngest guys you don't want, like Cam and a pick. I'm trying to think of the Hawks uh, crunch time five with Simmons on that team. So I'm thinking Simmons, Trey Young, um, Hunter, Bogda- one Hunter day, eventually Bogdanovich. No. Yeah, yeah, Bogdanovich, or he could be your turbocharged six man. I don't know. And then uh, Capella or whoever, depending on matchups. Yeah, I mean it's it's a tricky fit at the four or five as as you know, but they might have the talent that it's not a big problem for them. We'll see what happens. Uh, trade deadline is what like a month away, just about. Yeah, I think we got what thirty days or the tenth. So yeah, uh, it's it's going to be fun. But you know, we'll we'll be here. Uh, Liberty Ballers, myself, my colleagues, we'll all be here when that Simmons trade drops. Hopefully. Uh, first of all, we'll have to keep Steve Littman from uh, streaking through Center City. <laughs> um, but then second, we'll have all the coverage and all the analyses and everything like that. Until then, uh, Dave Early, amazing. Always good talking to you. Um, people should know where they can find your stuff, but just in case they've forgotten already since the last time you were on, why don't you remind the good people? I write for Liberty Ballers, so go to libertyballers.com and you'll see my name on every uh, handful of articles. Always good talking to you, Dave. Uh, you can follow Dave on Twitter at Dave Early. You can follow me on Twitter at D.O.B. Royster. Follow Liberty Ballers live at Liberty underscore Ballers. Listen to the all of the great podcasts on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. And that is the podcast. That is out of sight. We'll talk to you next week. Go Sixers, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.